to BA Brew. I'm Jonathan. I'm Pip. And I'm Mike. Today, we've got the absolute uh, honour of having Pip Hall with us, uh, the newly crowned BA of the Year, um, following the European Conference just a few weeks ago. It seems, seems like it was not so long ago. And we thought we'd invite Pip on to talk to us about her experience of, of, of getting to the position where not only did she apply, but she she won the BA of the Year. But also, um, we wanted to talk to Pip about her toolbox and the talk that she did at the BA conference with regard to stepping beyond your toolbox. So, Pip, can you tell us a bit about your journey to get to the position where you applied for and then you won the BA of the Year? Um, yes, yes, indeed, I guess. So, uh, I suppose from... I now realise that I've been a business analyst for as many years as I've been able to work out what I'm doing. And I know that's a common story for a lot of people. But I went on a fairly wiggly way to get to business analysis. I did, um, I had a conventional education. Mum's very, very traditional. So I did GCSEs A-levels in university and came out with a degree in town planning. So uh, I did town planning for a couple of years. Um, and I moved from there into a job where I was doing transport modelling for a local authority. So I was already at that point looking at analysing scenario analysis, um, data collection and analysis. Mm. Uh, and from there, moved into traffic signals, designing, maintaining and controlling traffic signals. My favourite bit of that was maintenance, reacting to what was going on in the ground, trying to make things better, continuous improvement. It, I loved it. I was there mm. at, in that job from transport modelling until five years ago for, for 20 odd years. Mm -hmm. And um, during that time, I worked with uh, a few people. The, the, last, the last big project I did was to renew our maintenance, signal maintenance contracts. And I worked with um, some consultants who, who I got to know very well and who arrived as a consultant, left as a friend. And was chatting to him one day and he'd been doing some work on an organizational chart and he asked me to proofread it. So I said to him, what's a business analyst? And he just looked at me and, and just grinned at me and went, you. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I started exploring, started looking into it. And the rest, as they say, is history. I left mm. the job that I'd been in that I love for 20 odd years and I moved into talent to become a business analyst. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I did some work on a motorway comms contract on a transformation program and now I find myself back in traffic signals but trying on the supply side so I'm the service provider that I wanted working with me when I was the customer in the local authority yeah. so yeah. Uh, wow. yeah it's been so good sort of your journey into business analysis but what about the journey yeah. to recognize that you might want to apply for BA of the year and then how did well, it feel when you won the award as well my journey in the last few years has been astonishing. I've done more personal growth by re reflecting in the last few years and, than I've done in a long time. And that's really when I met you, Jonathan, and you, Mike, and, and others of your colleagues, when I did my BA training to do, mm -hmm. I did my international diploma. And I started that just as COVID hit, mm -hmm. which was brilliant because you guys went online. I don't have a particularly um, easy domestic life uh so to be able to join you online meant that actually i could do all my training in quick succession whereas had you still been um 
in in person that wouldn't have been able to happen and as i was doing the courses both for the international diploma and then the advanced diploma a lot of the things were making incredible sense to me and they were things that my mind was doing anyway and i just go oh so that tool and technique has got a name i must remember that name and in in doing the um in doing the exams the challenge was always to remember the person whose model it was and the name of the model rather than how to apply it or how to do it because that was what my instinct was doing um and during that time all of you gave me immense confidence in what i was doing i I remember starting being starting the courses and starting the work at talent actually feeling a bit well a bit impostery to be honest you know i'm a bit of a fraud why am i here what am i doing And over the course of those couple of years, I realised I had a lot of knowledge, I had a lot of experience, I had a lot of skills that were were relevant and that actually I was a lot further ahead in my journey than I ever gave myself Mm -hmm. credit for. Mm -hmm. Um, It was you, Jonathan, I think you are well aware, that uh, helped me enormously (laughs) and answered all my incessant questioning uh, without the answers got me Mm -hmm. to think about all sorts of things and I talked through a lot of things with you which was really valuable Mm. Um, and uh, I remember us laughing one day and you said you said you should apply and I remember laughing it off but actually whatever it was that you said made me think I should at least look at what what Mm. was what was required to to apply and be in for a chance of winning the award and that's what I did it was a fantastic experience because we don't often spend a lot of time thinking about how good we are. We spend a lot of time thinking about how we need to do this and we need to do that better and we need to improve here and these are our weaknesses, but we don't spend very long actually acknowledging what our strengths are. And um, I really enjoyed the process of writing the application because it gave me a real buzz. Do you know what? I have done all these things. I do have all these skills and I have got all this experience and and it is of use to people and it is there's no reason why it shouldn't be me rather than anybody yeah. else and that was a big turning point for me yeah and then so, so you're going through this application process for ba of the year and at the same time you put yourself forward to speak at the european conference in I did. Yes. so you like to make life easy for yourself don't you? i do yes i like a challenge I seem to remember as well, Mr. Hunsley, you may have had something to do with that. <laughs> I suggested it might be a good idea for you to, to speak. <laughs> so, um, there was a bit of an ulterior motive. I wanted to speak. I have spoken at conferences before. So that was that was more inside that was closer to my comfort zone than the award was. Um, but it also I was comfortable doing it. Uh, and it also meant that I would definitely be able to attend the conference. Mm. So there was there was a bit of that to it. Yeah. Um, in hindsight, I think I would have been able to attend if I'd just spoken to my to mm. my manager about it. But that kind of that gave me it did two things. It 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 gave me that surety that if I got in, I'd be able to come and see and you know, meet loads of people yeah. who in the profession that I'd recently joined. Mm. Um, but also that I've got stuff to share and it was part of my confidence boost it was part of me challenging myself in saying actually if you think you're big and clever enough to go for the award then you know put your money where your mouth is basically let's what have you got yeah. to tell people so yeah. um and stretching yourself beyond your comfort zone and absolutely. taking that risk but but backing yourself as well um yeah really really positive and I've been doing some um some personal 
coaching work mm-hmm. with me as the coachee, not the coach. Yep. Um, and between you and he, yeah, the my my confidence was, I, w- I was suitably confident in my abilities, shall we say? It's so. brilliant. It's a brilliant place to be in. Yeah. So, um, Mike, as you know, Pitt talked about the um, importance of bringing her whole self to work and thinking about a toolbox, not just in terms of the tools that you get in terms of reading from books and, and studying theory. And, and Mike, your toolkit from your life outside work, I think is one of the biggest I'm aware of. Um, are you happy to, I don't know, where where would you start in terms of one of your hobbies and what you've learned from a hobby that's helped you at work, Mike? I don't know. I mean, I guess, um, I think I was described as, as somebody who collects hobbies. My hobby is collecting hobbies. So I, I went at the, uh, I don't, what's the most important one now? I guess um, I can't really pick one that's that's perhaps the most important. The two two big ones at the moment for me are beekeeping and uh, and running. Mm-hmm. And actually, that's something I can bring to courses. I'm always saying on courses that that combination of hobbies is really useful. When I don't do the beekeeping very well, I, I rely on my running to get away from the bees. Um, but I think I think I'm I'm just interested in learning lots of stuff. So so I've done. I'm now, I do the beekeeping. I do running. I make all kinds of different foods with fruit and um, gins and wines and vodkas and cheese and whatever. Um, but it's I, I enjoy the learning and actually lots of those bits of learning come in useful at times. So um, and I guess some of them, some of it's about mindfulness as well, because you can go and apply yourself to, to something else, which yeah. gives you a chance to sort of um, step away from the work a bit, which can be really useful because sometimes when you f- stop thinking about the work, you subconsciously are thinking about it and you solve a problem that if you'd have been focusing on it, you, you couldn't solve. But um, yeah, I mean, I think. There's all sorts of things I've learned because I think many years ago I was a first responder for uh, working um, for East Midlands Ambulance Service. Well, not directly, I was a volunteer. So we'd go to um, people who called 999 where they couldn't get an ambulance to, to the folks um, quickly enough. And I think I learned from that a lot about dealing with people in some very challenging situations. So keeping calm. Um, I did a, an advanced driving lessons um, to get my advanced driving test. Um, to help me with that so that when I did actually drive to those places I didn't drive like a nutter because I was um, keen to get there because the ambulance wasn't on the way um, so so I kind of learned that which has then helped me with other things so there's lots of things that all come together mm. I think I don't think there's any one particular thing from any of the hobbies it's, mm. it's just yeah just a combination of things mm. and I, it gives me plenty of stories to share so, so. exactly <laughs> does and Pip, it's one of the things that resonated in terms of the talk that you did, um, in terms of thinking about different roles in your life and different hobbies and, and what what they they give you those roles or those hobbies relative to your work as a as a BA practitioner. Um, yeah. Are you able to pick one of your roles or one of your hobbies and just share a bit of insight for the audience? Yeah, I think the most relatable, I mean, I use several examples in my talk, but the most relatable is that of a parent. You know where where there's all sorts of skills that come out of being a parent and people laughed when we said about you know time management to get all the chores done but it's mm-hmm. true you know people do look down on me as a mother if my kids go to school in dirty uniform without pack lunch you know it's not the done thing but mm-hmm. actually there's 
you know, when you're a parent, you share in the highs and the lows of family life with each of the different members of your family, whether that's your own children or being a child of my parents, for example. So actually, I think that in itself brings with it all sorts of skills and, and experiences that you draw on at work. Mm. So, you know, if you, you can you can share the elation of, of winning something, you know, yeah. when you win the battle, but not the war. Yes, we've got that working. You know, we've made that improvement. We've got that. We've, we've got that person to change their mind or mm. to, to come along the journey. Equally, if I'm in a disruptive workshop, I'm not adverse to using my mum Paddington Bear stare or my, <laughs> my stern voice and saying, look here, we are here for a reason, you know, and you can waste all your time. I'm being paid to be here. You're not wasting your time. It's up to you. Do you, you know, is this a useful way or not? And it, it's about, you know, whilst it's funny, it's about having that authority. It's yeah. about commanding that presence. It's about being purposeful about what, you know, what we're doing. Yeah. And Again, prioritizing things, you know, whether that is money or time or other resource, it's all, you know, being a member of a family is, and a, and a parent in particular for me is, yeah. is massively, massively uh, useful. I think that's really, uh, that's really important. And, and actually, you can completely underestimate that because I hadn't really thought about that. But, but actually, there's loads of things that you think from parenting, you, you learn and you kind of take them for granted. Well, I, I do. I guess oh. I'm thinking about it. But there's probably lots of things I've learned I've applied um, in various uh, different environments, work environments. The one thing I haven't used, which is the thing I always used to say to my children, I've not used it in any workshops or any meetings, um, but they'll be proud of me. Well, I was quite proud of my son because he used it against me. Um, fairly recently. <laughs> so you hate that? <laughs> he, he said, I'm not angry, I'm just disappointed. So that, that was my, my dad's phrase. And it's, it's kind of nice when the, your children use that back on you, but also... I was disappointed with myself, not angry, just yeah. yeah. My daughter said to me the other day, really, mum, if you said you're going to do something, you ought to do it. The <laughs> <laughs> cheek from my daughter. Wow. <laughs> wow, but is that are those words that would come out of your mouth? At some Absolutely. Point? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, at some point. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was trying to think as you were talking, both of you, uh, what, what those key skills I've learned as a parent, and, and I think empathy and listening really kind of seeing the world from a, a child's perspective their their worries their needs their wants and and really trying to em empathize and and to listen not easy but i think the number one thing that i've got out of being a parent is practice of negotiation um and i'm practicing every day and i'm trying to all get day <laughs> yeah possibly all day yes yeah and and um, my negotiation skills since becoming a parent have been tested and tested and practiced and practiced and one day i'm hoping that i might be a good negotiator but i'm i'm still working on it <laughs> and i think it's true and patience, patience I, I, yeah i wouldn't have i wouldn't think that people would describe me as patient i do not describe myself as patient but i do have patience when it is mm. required and that's something that's developed massively over the last 16 yeah. years since i've had children yeah you know particularly mm. with my daughter being neurodiverse you know her, her she can teach the whole world about negotiation you know she's she's got a she's got a, a huge skill set with regards to getting her own way and it's um that that patience and tolerance that zone of tolerance that you learn about in yeah. one of the advanced modules is uh yeah. spot on <laughs> 
It's, um, I know we talked on the brew before, Pip, so you're uh, returning to the brew and we talked about yeah. stakeholders, but we think about these skills, empathy, listening, patience, assertiveness, they're, they're all really key um, if we're going to manage and engage with stakeholders effectively. Absolutely. And it's core, it's core to our business analysis skill set. It's not, it's not an additional optional extension it's absolutely cool that we're we have those um skills in our in our locker and we need to be approachable and relatable and vulnerable you know people say you need to lean in be vulnerable to allow others to open up to you Mm. and it's all you know having these different being able to recognize that you have these different skills i think is really important to allow that you may share a hobby you may share a you, you may share a role in the community or you know there's if you're if you're able to to talk in a way that makes you approachable rather than you know as a person rather than a yeah. professional i find that it's it's invaluable yeah it, it helps you it does help you find connections with people so i've yeah. had some some situations where i've had a difficult stakeholder or well what seemed such thing as a difficult stakeholder i was probably the difficult stakeholder um <laughs> but finding some connection like we're both interested in, in running or, or beekeeping or whatever um mm. you've then got another you've got something that makes that person more of a person rather than just a um an obstacle to getting the job mm. done um, which mm. is, yeah and actually I, that's probably one of the biggest things that i've learnt to to fill in the gaps between the tools that we have in the toolkit it's actually about talking to people rather than talking to a role yeah 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 and that's one of the key things we do isn't it we talk to people but then we <clears> present <throat> and document and analyze in terms of roles mm. we we divorce the personal from the professional but it's really important like you said that people are people and that's what i mean when i say about a sense of loss and those kind of real raw mm. emotions they don't happen to a role but they do happen to a person yeah 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 and then the other thing that really struck me about your talk was the focus on outcomes pip and yeah. i'm not sure that it would have been easy to put together but the examples of outcomes that you'd achieved by going beyond or stepping beyond your toolbox by taking your whole self to work are you happy to share with the audience just one maybe example of an example of an outcome that you'd achieved through taking your whole self to work and throwing the toolkit at the problem? Yeah, the, I think the one that comes to mind most easily is uh, an acquisition that we did recently. And it, it goes back to the family analogy. So this was a small, this was an SME, had been going for 30 odd years. Um, and our organization, which is two and a half thousand ish people, um, were were acquiring them. And to us on our side, there's not an us and them, but in terms of this story, on our side, we're uh, you know, we've got people with their specialists, their professional disciplines. So, you know, when you have a conversation to cover all bases, I've got I've got a group of 15 different professionals I go to to cover tax and finance and stock and health and safety mm. and quality you know etc cetera, etc cetera. whereas you go to the owners and they are all there's two people and they are all of those things in two people so we mm. can have a three-way conversation and we can cover all those bases off but then I go and have a conversation and I need mm. 15 people and um as far as I can understand whilst the the SME were very keen to to be acquired by us they thought 
they were getting cold feet because they thought we were taking too long and we were disinterested mm. when actually it was it was all the the due process that's all there for the right reason all the governance procedures for mm. the right reason were just taking their time so um so i i took all that knowledge i've worked as an SME, with SMEs and in SMEs. So I know mm. how they work. I can empathise with the owners and the, the employees of such companies. But equally, I've worked in a massive local authority and I now work in Tellent, who's got two and a half thousand employees. Mm. So I also know how they work. Mm. So it was about, you know, doing the content, having the conversation with the owners, the content of which was important to them in a way that allowed them to understand that we are interested and we are doing what we need to do. It just takes time. They haven't worked in a big corporate. Mm. They've always, always had their own business. And, you know, back to the family analogy, this was their child. They've, they've conceived and brought up and they've been looking after day in, day out, 24 seven for the last 30 odd years. And all of a sudden they just stood at the front door waving it goodbye. You know, they don't know what's going to happen next. And it doesn't matter whether it's your child's first day at school or you're waving your teenager off to university. You, you know, you lose that control, don't you? And you don't know what happens when you can't see them. And that's what they were feeling. They were feeling that sense of, mm. of impending loss and didn't know what to do with it. And they thought, you know, if you went into, if you took your child into school and there was no teacher there and there was nobody at the door and you just said, yeah, go on in there. It's great. They'll see you soon. You know, that's not, that's not what mm. we do, is it? So they just needed to feel a bit, a bit of warmth and a bit of love and a bit of reassurance from us that we were taking them seriously and that we were really putting, tr trying to put the things in place. And the outcome bit of that, rather than the output, the outcome bit of that is that we have a new set of technology and products that we can, that we've added to our, to our, to our own corporate toolbox. Mm -hmm. And we have a customer base that's broader than we did have because they had customers that we don't. So they've mm -hmm. now brought them together and with a strong pipeline. And uh, just recently, just last week or the week before, the government announced a seven, £70 million investment in traffic signal infrastructure and, you know, focusing on, on drivers. And this, this is, having acquired this business is massive for us. It gives us loads of capabilities that we didn't previously have. So, you know, it, and, that's, and that's because I was able to go in and, and yeah. be PIP. And it's, it's interesting because I sometimes meet, um BAs and, and change professionals that say well it's not my job to do that or I'm not allowed to do that um I, I wonder how did you get the confidence to take your whole self to work and to really get to know those people and empathize and and and, and be aware and, and think of that context or is it just natural to you Pip it is it's it, it's my instinct. I trade a lot on my instinct. Hmm. Mike, you were saying about, you know, thinking about things when you're not thinking about things. You know, I do a lot of thinking when I'm not thinking. And quite, I, I am very, I am very willing to listen to what my instinct is telling me. Hmm. I do back it up, obviously. I need to make sure that it's not sending me off in a crazy direction. But, but I'm me. You can, and I'll wear my heart on my sleeve. If I'm upset, you see it. If I'm cross, you see it. If I'm happy, you see it. Yeah. So actually, it's just natural for me to to be me wherever I am. I'm too tired to have different <laughs> versions of me. Like, where am I supposed to be? What am I doing? Who am I supposed to be now? It, it's not. That's not what I'm about. So yeah. actually, 
you know, I go in and I do have a laugh. My dad always had a laugh with people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm very much him in that regard. Mm. And uh, I just I do use humour to um, to cover up when I'm feeling uncomfortable. But over the last few years, I've needed to do that less and less. I just I just enjoy having a laugh with people. I enjoy talking to people. Wow. And it's less and less to cover up and more and more to open them up. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Mike, I had the pleasure of going on what I will call a Magic Mike walk uh, <laughs> through London. And so Mike Mike was facilitating a walk through London at the European Conference. And I, you gave me quite a lot of stick in the, in the facilitation of the walk. But you just seemed so natural at doing it, Mike. You were, it, it looked to me as a, someone observing as though you're absolutely comfortable in the zone, and not worried about what people thought. And I was wondering if you could kind of share, where do you get that confidence from, Mike? Do you know, I, I really don't know. Um, after we did that walk at the conference, somebody said, oh, you're a really good tour guide. How many times have you done this before? And I said, this is the first time um, I've done it. And I think I think it's just from feeling comfortable, being uh, dealing with or being with lots of different people. I think probably having... <laughs> Some of the work when I was going uh, going out as a first responder, you'd go into situations that were quite challenging, um, and I I just would just chat with people and maybe have a laugh. Um, I think beekeeping, I have to see what my bee, what mood my bees are in and adjust what I'm doing in the running. When I'm um, coaching at running, then I'm, I've been doing stuff with children as well as with adults. Um, you just you just adjust to what you have, and I think at the conference it was just. We had a group of people who wanted to go out for a walk. I, I had planned the route. I knew where I was going. Um, I did a little bit of a uh, little bit of googling to come up with the script at each of the locations and just talked, and it just seemed to work. Um, so I don't know. It's. I think it was just you have to feeling take your comfortable lead with from people. people. Yeah, you you yeah. take your lead from the atmosphere. Mm. So actually, you know, a lot of people say to me, "Oh." can't believe who said that to those people you know the the director that I call Mr Hall it's unfortunate for him he shares my surname but in response he calls me Mrs Hall and therefore we have an instant (laughs) (laughs) when I was working with him I say Mr Hall I'm never so disappointed you promised you'd do that and he'd say I'm sorry Mrs Hall I'll go and do it now (laughs) that's just fortunate because we share a name but there's a lot of people who wouldn't do that but actually I have a healthy respect for everybody you know and and i expect a healthy respect back but that doesn't mean that they're not people and that you can't enjoy your work you know if you 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 go in and emotional intelligence you go and you can read a room can't you i can tell if somebody's frustrated or upset or cross or happy or belligerent or whatever it is you know it's being able to sense that and then and then respond to it Mm. and that's why i think it's important to take your whole self because if you've got a predefined way of being or a, or a predetermined script to use you can't you know the likelihood of that being appropriate on every single occasion mm. i would suggest is quite mm. small and therefore you have to have a certain amount of confidence whether it's false or not you have to have a certain amount of confidence that says actually i own this room i'm good enough to do this they've asked me to do this for a reason mm. and here i am doing it in whichever way i see fit because if they didn't trust me to do that i wouldn't be in this situation yeah yeah, it makes me. Um, I'm reminded of a situation. I was quite a junior BA pip, and um, there was a. I was working on a work for an image project, 
Um, so a scanning center was sending documents around an insurance company. Anyway, this system would start to fall over. So we weren't able to manage claims as efficiently and effectively as we might otherwise. People aren't getting their claims dealt with because none of the materials were getting to the right people. Anyway, there was a computer services team that were looking at this incident of this system being down. And there was a particular manager in that team that we as a project team needed to go and speak to, to try and find out what the issue was and how we might resolve it. And nobody wanted to go and speak to them. And I didn't care. I didn't care if someone was angry or if they were shouting. I was confident going into a confrontational situation. At the time, I was quite heavily practicing martial arts. So I was fairly confident in my own abilities to look after myself. But it was there was no physical violent threats or anything like that. But I remember being sat with this particular stakeholder and he sat opposite me and every other word is a swear word. And he's extremely angry at what he perceives as a wrong that his team's being blamed for system outages and whatnot. And I've not been party to blaming him for anything and, and was just there to see if we could in, find out what was the cause of these problems with the system outages so that we could get the business back up and running in terms of dealing with claims. Um, but in that moment, I wasn't thinking, oh, I'm going to use my martial arts confidence to deal with this stakeholder. It was just he's an angry stakeholder. I've dealt with angry stakeholders before, and there was no threat of violence. He was just swearing and, and he was just venting when it was a lot of venting, obviously. And I just kept to the focus of, right, how, so what can we do to move forward? How can we how can we start to resolve this issue or challenge? I'm sure I frustrated him a lot because I wouldn't. I wasn't mirroring or matching him. It wouldn't have got me very far. But um, it's interesting that just reflecting on it in, in this conversation, would I have had that confidence if I'd not been a more rounded human being through doing some of the hobbies that I'd been involved in? And you don't know. Um, you don't know whether or not confrontation management's ever going to be useful at work or not. But it, it was in that instance. Yeah, I'm. I'm very con confident. Uh, I'm very conscious that we're we're in a very comfortable situation here. We could chat for hours and hours because we we know each other quite quite well. I can't even speak now. I, I, it's, uh, I've been talking so long. I've lost the ability. Embrace yourself. It's all good. <laughs> what What could possibly go wrong if I can't talk on my next course? But now I'm conscious that we're running out of time. Really, we've um, we've, we've gone on and, and chatted. So it's been really nice talking to you, Pip. Um, I'd like to say a big thank you to our audience for joining us today. If you do have any ideas for future BA Brews, please drop us an email at, um, I've forgotten the email address as well, at babrew at assistkd.com. And don't forget to like and subscribe. <laughs>